Take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Acts chapter 17. We are not going to be back in the, in the Sermon on the Mount and the Lord's Prayer until next Sunday to finish up the Lord's Prayer. But we come this morning to the Lord's Table. We come to the, the time of celebrating, the time of reflecting, the time of examination by taking to the bread and taking to the wine. We come to the Lord's Table to consider several things. We come as a memorial. We come to, to remember his body that was, that was hung on the cross through the bread and his blood that was shed for our salvation, for our new covenant relationship with God through the shedding of his blood on the cross, the, the blood that was shed for us. There's no doubt. But Paul also said when you come to this table, you come and examine yourself. In other words, as you hold that bread in your hand and as you hold that cup in your hand, uh, you think about what has happened, what has been given for your salvation, but you also examine yourself as to your obedience to the gift that has been given you through the cross of Christ. You know, this past week, and I don't want to get into a lot of that this morning because we'll talk about it tonight. I want you to be back to hear it. But this past week, the meaning of the cross... And the meaning of, of, of Christ's death there and, and the, the extravagance of that, the, the glory of that, just kind of resonated through my own mind and heart as I saw spiritual darkness everywhere. And I'll have to admit, after the first village, maybe into the second one particularly, I began to feel like Paul did at Mars Hill uh, in Athens. As he was on his missionary journey, as he was traveling about, and he finally came to that city, a great intellectual center, a center where, where people were smart, where people debated day and night about different issues, and they loved something new to talk about and debate. And Paul got there, and in verse 16 of chapter 17 of Acts, Luke records this. He said, now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing a city full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. Some were saying, what could this idle babbler wish to say? Others, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears, so we want to know what these things mean. And parenthetically, Luke notes, Now all the Athenians and the strangers were vi that were visiting there uh, were used to their time, uh, spending their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. They weren't saying this to Paul because they wanted to receive it. They thought that the truth had finally come to them. They just liked anything new. Come in and tell them something new. They were happy. And that's basically what was taking place here. I, I, was, I was caught by this 16th verse this week as we uh, traveled through these villages. You've got to understand, we were going into villages that no Southern Baptist missionary, to our knowledge, had ever been there. Uh, obviously, some had been, some other groups had been there before. The Catholic Church had been there since the uh, uh, the, the Spanish conquest, 
And every, if put that, put up the first thing there. I just want to kind of, I got four slides I want to show you, and that's it. But this morning, but they are important to see, I think, if we can get them up there in a moment. Oh, they're back here. They're not up there. Okay. Uh, you know, Santa Cruz, uh, Dion de Marca is where we went. That's the region. There's also a city by that name there. But one thing I think we found was that there is religion without truth and tradition without meaning. That uh, the need for that area is the gospel. And God has opened a door. That's what the Apostle Paul saw when he came to Athens. He saw that there was religion everywhere. There were idols everywhere. I mean, there was idols to every conceivable deity you can imagine. When we went into the city, one of the things we noticed, at every city we went into, you would see something similar to this. Can you turn out those middle lights for just a second, Rick? Uh, I want want you to see that. We'd see something similar to that. And uh, that's a, 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 there's a screen over it or a, a, a gate there, but that's a shrine. Now, it was to all different saints and all different types of things as you went in there, but there was one at every city. Usually one as you went into the city, it was one at the gate, and you'll see some gates tonight, and there was also some scattered throughout the village. Second thing you saw in every city, or no, you didn't see, this is not in every city, this is between Catalina and Santa Cruz, as we went up the hill, there was a statue called Senor de Yanagasin, or something like that. And our first visit, we, we talked to the mayor of Catalina, and we asked him, we said, what is, what is that statue? Who is Senor de whatever? And he said, oh, that's the statue of Jesus. He's the Lord of the valley. And that's, he's overlooking the valley. We found it quite interesting. The, the most interesting, you can't really see it well on this picture, but there's a red light on top of his head. I guess so airplanes are flying around. They, they're going to hit a mountain before they hit him, but they had to have the red light there, I guess, even their safety. And This was huge. And yet, it was just the Lord of the valley. There, there was no real understanding, I don't think, of who this Jesus was. Nothing you always saw in every city was a, was a church. A Catholic church. Now, when we think of churches, be they Catholic or Protestant, we think of a place where you go to worship every Sunday. The Catholic church is locked all year long, except usually two to three times a year when there's a festival in town. And a traveling priest comes into town. They have a big festival. They were having one in Santa Cruz, as a matter of fact, while we were there. We didn't see many people there because they were all getting ready for the festival. Uh, one of the missionaries said they were probably all getting drunk for the festival, getting ready for it that way. And they said, we got to get out of here. We can't be here when that starts. It'll be too unruly. But the Catholic Church, is, there's a Catholic Church in every city that was built there by the Catholic Church, but is locked most of the days of the year, only open for a festival. And then one other thing you would see occasionally is a cross. And this one was on top of a mountain. And as I was there with one of the missionaries and talking to one of the villagers in the city just below this, which skips my... So it's my mind right now. But I asked him, I said, what does that mean? And he said, oh, that means the Catholic Church. That's what their identification of the cross was. So there's religion without truth. There's tradition without understanding or without meaning. And so this is an area that I think is a lot like what the Apostle Paul experienced at, uh, at, at Athens. You can turn that off now. That we... We're going into an area where the gospel needs to be proclaimed. 
I'm sure that on those festivals they take the bread and they take the wine. I'm not sure they understand what it means. Because with the Catholic religion there has been mixed a lot of the animism and a lot of the, the other folk religions that have kind of blended themselves in that go back decades to, the, uh, to the, uh, the Indian tribes that were there, the Incas and others that were in that area. And, and so there's a, a misunderstanding there. And the thing that, that struck me was how we take for granted so often the cross. When we look at the cross, when we think of the cross, when we come to the Lord's table, how often we just take it for granted. Oh, it's the day we observe the Lord's Supper. Okay, I know I'm a member of the church. I'm a Christian. I've been baptized. I can take of that meal. I'll take my bread. I'll take my juice. I'll eat my bread. I'll drink my juice. And we observe the Lord's Supper. We've observed communion. I think about the grace of God, not only in calling us to salvation through the cross of Christ. That was great, but... I think about the grace of God that allowed us, that allowed us to be born in a nation where the gospel is freely presented. I thought about the grace of God that allowed us, me in particular, to be born in a family of believers who taught me about Christ from the time I was born. And, and I grew up with it just a naturally, I wasn't a Christian all my life. I was older when I was actually converted, but I heard the gospel. I knew what the cross meant. I knew that it was the, I knew that it was the instrument of death for my Savior, where He became a sacrifice and a substitute for me. You know, I, I imagine in Paul's day, those at Athens would have known what a cross was. They would have seen the cross and they would have said to me, "Oh, yeah, that's an instrument of torture." That's an instrument of death that the Romans used for the most vile of criminals. They, they, they knew what a cross was. There was no doubt about it. It was a, it was a gas chamber or an electric chair for our day or a lethal injection. It was an instrument of killing criminals. They knew what the cross was. But when Paul came to town, he started talking about this Jesus who died on the cross but who was resurrected on the third day. This Jesus whom death could not contain. This Jesus whom the grave could not hold. This Jesus who is the Savior. As we looked out over that valley and looked over those villages and we, we'd go from village to village and as you'd get higher up, highest village we went to is about 12,500 feet and, and above sea level. And as you look down on some of the other villages, some we didn't even know we were there until we got up high and said, oh, there's something over there. We'd go and find it. We thought about the hundreds and thousands of people throughout that valley who are destined for hell because they don't know the Savior. They don't know the gospel. And we have the privilege of taking that to them. We have the privilege of going in. You know, some might say, well, why don't we do that here in Somerset? There's a lot of lost people here in Somerset. There are. But the lost people here in Somerset, the sad thing is most of them think they're saved. And we've got to convince them they're not saved before we can convince them they need to be saved. These down there are going to, they're, they're, they're a whole different class. And there's a whole area of a country that's bound for hell. Unless they hear the gospel and hear of Christ and come to faith in Christ. Paul went on, he said, you know, 
He stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. While I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all the things in it, since He is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. He doesn't dwell in shrines or even in churches that are made with hands. No. Nor does, is He served by human hands as though He needed anything, since He Himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are His children. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because He has fixed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom He has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. See, there's the uniqueness. There's the final evidence, if you will, of everything Paul preached, of everything Jesus taught, is that resurrection. He provided proof. Proof is a strong word. But that's exactly what he, Paul says God did. He proved that Christ was Savior. He proved that Christ was the sacrifice. He proved that, that Christ was your substitute by saying it and then by bringing Christ forth from the grave, alive, resurrected, and ascending into the heavens. We... Uh, Todd and I watched a festival last Sunday afternoon in Lima. We heard trumpets and drums and cymbals, and we searched it out. And, and it, was a, it was a parade type thing, and they were carrying a, a, shrine, a portable shrine of the Virgin Mary. And the, the festival, as best we could tell, was the festival of the ascension of the virgin. Now, I don't find anywhere in the scripture about the virgin ascending. Mary lived, Mary died. Uh, Christ ascended. And the problem is there's so much layer of layer of layer on top of the kernel of truth that that needs to be unfolded. Folks, we need to unfold that right here in Somerset, Kentucky. There's a lot of stuff that's kind of gathered and cluttered, even in our own faith. We get the idea that we come to church one time on Sunday morning, and we're okay, man. We're right with God. And, and I'm not saying you got, you know, I don't think the Scripture says you got to come on Sunday morning, you got to come on Sunday nights, you got to come on Wednesday night. It says you worship on the Lord's Day. But if you're just coming because, hey, I'm checking off that time, th then you're missing the whole point. 
It's not a matter of coming to check off the time. It's a matter of coming to be in the presence of the living God. It's a matter of coming to come before this table and to come before His Word and to be changed by that Word, to have your life totally ratified and, 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 and revolutionized by what Christ has done. There's a lot of religion without truth in our day in our city. There's a lot of tradition without knowledge, without understanding, without meaning in our city. And we are called by God as His children, as His disciples, to see that at least the era is exposed. We can't change a life. We can't make people believe the truth. We can't convert anybody. We can't save anybody. But we can show them the truth. We can show them the gospel. We can show them, we can live it out, we can, can live it in our work and live it in our home life, and we can speak it freely. There's a lot of clutter out there. Someone was telling me this week that, uh, and I've got the thing here in my Bible, I'll read it later, but that one of the classes offering for senior adults at the uh, library this year is how to relax and not worry. Well, that's a great thing. And it's based on Buddhism. And there's going to be teaching of Buddhism, the principles of Buddhism to help you relax and not worry. I'm going to write the library a letter this week, I think, and ask them if I can also teach a class at the same time on how to relax and not worry based on the teachings of Jesus Christ. What do you think they'll say to that? Whoa, separation of church and state. Can't have that. Because we're allowing clutter to cover the gospel. We cannot allow that to happen. We must be vigilant. So we come to this table. How do you come to this table? You come to this table saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your body that was broken. Thank you for your blood that was shed. Thank you, Lord, for giving yourself as my substitute, as my sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God. And you come saying, Lord, first, am I really yours? Paul said, examine yourself to see if you're really of the faith. Lord, am I really taking this because I belong to you and I'm a part of you? Or am I taking it simply because it's that time to do it? Pop the bread, drink the juice, be gone. Examination, Lord. Your gospel is a treasure that I've experienced and your gospel is a treasure that I'm to share. Am I hiding that treasure under a bushel or under a, 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 a covering? Am I putting something over it so that it's not seen? Or am I holding that treasure up high so that all can see it? We all have to ask that question. I have to ask that question. We come to this table. Don't come casually. Don't come routinely. 
don't come to this next few minutes just to do it. But come saying, Lord, teach me. Lord, strengthen me. Lord, show me in my life, my areas of disobedience. Lord, change me into the image of Christ. Let's pray. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to ask those who will be serving this, to the deacons to come forward who will be serving the meal. said on that night Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he blessed it and he passed it among them and he said this is my body which is given for you when John baptized Jesus and he came up out of the water he said to the people standing there behold the Lamb of God That lamb was the perfect sacrifice that fulfilled all the other lambs that had been offered for generation after generation after generation. This fulfilled the truth of the coming Messiah, of the coming Savior. Then he took the cup and he blessed it and he said, as he passed it around, he said, this is my blood, which is the blood of the new covenant. Jeremiah and the writer of Hebrews both said this new covenant is a covenant where we will know God intimately. We will know Him. And we will have our sins forgiven because of His grace. He said, take and drink it. You know, the early church was accused of cannibalism because they said they drank the blood and ate the body of Christ. But Jesus says, this is a sign that you are of me. As, you come, as, as these elements come to you this morning, if you're here and you're a believer, you've trusted Christ, been baptized, but you're not a member of Grace Baptist Church, that's all right. You may, if, if you feel so free, you... Observe this with us. Because this is the Lord's table. It's not the Grace Baptist table. But whoever you are, wherever you are, examine yourself. If you're not a believer, think about that sacrifice. Let the elements pass by you. But think about the cross. Think about the gift. Think about the grace of God. I pray the Holy Spirit will open your heart to see your need for a Savior, even through these elements. Father, we thank you for the bread. We thank you for the cup. We pray, Father, that in this time, your Holy Spirit will move in our lives. Cleanse us, O oh Father, and bring us to a walk of obedience not out of duty, but out of joy because of the grace of God. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take the elements and hold them until we all can eat and drink together. Going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. Now when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and of the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them were urging them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. And when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. Since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles." For so the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of, the prom of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. They shook the dust off their feet in protest against them and went on to Iconium. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son who was born of this, a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace, and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake, among whom you also are the called of Christ Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take and eat it and do this in remembrance of me. And after that, he said, this cup is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out and shed on your behalf. He said, take it and drink it and do this in remembrance of me. There'll be a bucket to take your cups as you go out the door. 
and uh, you can drop those in there. The Lord said, come to the table. Come to the table and fellowship with me. In this table, we have the representation of the greatest gift that God ever gave us. His Son, Jesus Christ, as our Savior and as our Lord. We're going to stand together and sing a hymn, A Debtor to Mercy Alone. As we sing that hymn, as God moves in your life, if God's leading you, come forward and share maybe that you've come to faith in Christ, maybe that you need to come and be a part of this church family, but just to be obedient to what God